Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, I'm very excited to say we have Alex Lieberman, the co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew and host of the Founders Journal podcast, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Alex, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Pumped to do this. Let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Modern Treasury. Modern Treasury makes APIs that help companies build products that move money. And guess what? They're hiring. They're backed by Altimeter, Benchmark, and Y Combinator, and on a mission to be the de facto standard for money movement for the world's most innovative and fastest growing companies like Pipe, ClassPass, and Gusto. Imagine saying that when someone asks what you're working on. Not bad. Before Modern Treasury, there's never been a universal API into the global banking system. And I guess I'm both surprised and not surprised by that, but it seems inevitable. And now it's happening and you could be a part of it. According to the Breakout List, a curated list of high growth breakout startups, Modern Treasury's customer list is strong, growth is excellent, and contract sizes are large. Historically, about half the team works out of their San Francisco office, about a quarter in the New York office, and a quarter remote. So a little something for everyone. Modern Treasury is looking for ambitious, product-centric folks, especially on the technical side, engineers, designers, and PMs in particular. Find out if Modern Treasury might be your next big move at moderntreasury.com careers. Alex Lieberman is the co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew, a multi-platform business media brand. In October 2020, Alex and his co-founder Austin Reef sold a majority stake of Morning Brew to Business Insider for a reported $75 million. Today, Morning Brew provides quick and digestible business content to more than 4 million users, successfully changing the way emerging leaders engage with the business world. Alex hosts two podcasts within the Brew universe, Founders Journal and Imposters. Alex is a 2020 Ad Age 40 Under 40 Award recipient, 2019 Forbes 30 Under 30 Award recipient, UJA Global Marketing Industry Visionary Award recipient, and has been featured in publications ranging from Business Insider to the Today Show to Digiday. Alex is also the host of a custom branded podcast for Fidelity Investments and is a regular speaker at major industry conferences like AdWorld, Advertising Week, South by Southwest, and Ascent. Alex Lieberman, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you so much for having me. Pumped to be here, excited for the conversation. Yes, I'm so happy to have you. Okay, so I do have to reveal to our listeners that you've already flexed on me. You completed a Peloton workout before our morning recording today. I did. I felt like it was the best way to get into the conversation. And I will say, I'm not a religious Pelotoner. I mean, mm-hmm. That's the way you refer to people who Peloton once or twice a week, and today was the day I did it. I'm flattered. You knew you had to kind of get the juices flowing before coming on. I had to get my head in the Mm -hmm. game for this. That's right. (laughs) Some power poses may or may not have taken place. (laughs) Okay, Alex, I'm so excited to chat with you. We know each other from the internet, which is such a treat. Some of the best people, some of the best and worst, I'd say. True statement. I want to know this first and foremost. How did you spend your last day off? It's a great question. I have to first think about when When the last day off was. Yep, yep, I'm stumping you. I didn't do that much work yesterday. I also didn't have that exciting of a day. I played with my dog a lot. Okay. I was supposed to have a haircut in Hoboken. (laughs) I ended up making my haircut at the other location. This place has two locations. Whoa. And the the second location (laughs) is in Jersey City. And so I did not get to get my haircut, which is why I had to do the whole gel thing right now. I see. Um, So I'm getting my haircut right after the podcast today. So it was a very eventful day walking the dog and supposed to be getting a haircut. Wow. Okay. Kind of massive. Late breaking news. (laughs) Major scoop. (laughs) 
question about hair gel use in the year 2022, which yeah. is who's doing that? Is that a common thing for uh, perhaps for gentlemen or people with shorter hair? I feel like it's if you have like, I guess it's not shorter or longer. It's like in mm. between hair because if it's oh. short, you don't need the gel. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't normally use it, but I need it right now. So I didn't look quick uh, fix. unkempt. Right. Uh, yeah. So I did the quick fix, but normally I cut my hair short enough where I don't need it. Okay. I feel like gel is not like the phrase that people use these days. It's pomade. Like pomade is the big thing. Pomade makes it sound artisanal. It makes it sound like something Don Draper uses for Mad Men. Exactly. It also makes it sound like something that, you know, you won't sweat and have this like gooey stuff right. <laughs> drip exactly. down your forehead. It feels like it's more practical for life. When I hear hair gel, I think Ross from Friends immediately. Uh-huh. 100%. Spiked in the front. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I, I feel like pomade is just like a really smart rebranding of all the bad things about gel. I couldn't agree with you more. Wow, great job to the pomade industry. Shout out pomade <laughs> industry. <laughs> if you're listening, kudos to you. It's amazing. If you were kidnapped, but you had the chance to communicate with your family and friends and needed to secretly <laughs> let them know something was wrong, what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> what would I say if I was kidnapped? The kidnappers can't know that you're trying to alert the people in your life that you've been taken. And do I have a phone or anything? Like, do I have anything to communicate with? Yeah, maybe there's like a phone call taking place or something like that. I'm going to make it very movie-like where it's Let's like, hear it. you know... Uh, the kidnapper has me in the back of the trunk and we <gasps> get to a gas station. They run in for like some jerky Brilliant. in there. Of course. There's, a, there's a payphone. <gasps> so I think as I think about this, what would I do is like, I'd be like creeping up above the window, seeing okay. if they're distracted, yep. trying to pick out their jerky, yep. I'd look under the seat of the car, see if there's any loose change because mm -hmm. who keeps physical change these well, days? When you said payphone, I assume this film took place before 1995. <laughs> no, this is today. <laughs> oh, been, this is today. I, I've been watching Yellowstone recently. So this is, and this is something I feel like could happen in Yellowstone. Okay. I would look for loose change. I don't know how much I call it the payphone typically uh, is. So I'd look for, I don't know, like a quarter, a dime and a nickel to play it safe. You could call collect. I don't even know what that means. Call collect? Yeah. How do I know what this is? Is that like 411? No, it's like you call a phone number and then you call the number you want to call and it asks the recipient if they will take on the charges for that call. That is so interesting. It's like the old school equivalent of if a company is going to pay for shipping when you return something. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then the other person on the other end of the line will say, you're receiving a collect call from, it'll say Alex Lieberman. And do you accept the charges? This brings up a really important question, which is like, does my family know that I've been kidnapped or not? If they know I've been kidnapped. Oh, okay. They'll answer the random call and they'll pay for it. But in the age of like spam calling, which is not oh, yeah. of my calls today's, if they didn't know I was kidnapped, they wouldn't answer it. And so I would have oh. to find change for them to answer the phone. That's a great point. If I was taken and my successful saving rested on my mom picking up an unknown number, there's 0% chance. You wouldn't even bother making the call. No. Yeah. Just <laughs> I, I'd like make the best of it. I'd be like, this is my life now. I live with these people. Okay. So you, let's say you successfully find, I'm going to say two quarters. You yep. get to the payphone. You're somehow at the last payphone in the United States of America in 2022. <laughs> Somebody picks up the phone, but the kidnappers can hear you. What do you say? Well, I feel like it, it's a very interesting thing because the kidnappers, if they heard me, they'd be like, why the hell are they out of the trunk? And on that's a good point. You know what? That's a really, that's a solid, solid point. It may not matter. Let's just say for argument's sake, they're like, really nice kidnappers. They're like, oh yeah, he's just calling a friend <laughs> to check up right now. 
maybe somebody else wanted you kidnapped, like a big boss, you know, like a like yeah. a head of some kind of an organization wanted you kidnapped. These are just the underlings. They feel bad for you in some way, something like that. There's a world where this works. They're condoning this in, in some like way. They where maybe like they maybe kind of see you and they're like, oh, we don't see him. Yeah. So I think I would do the classic code speak where I'd be like, hey, uh, mom, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with, I'm with some some of my new friends, uh, okay. we're, we're, we're stopped at, uh, you know, at the gas station, um, <laughs> over in, you know, XYZ town. And, um, this is directly telling your mom that you have been kidnapped and where you are. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're like, I'm going to speak in code. I'm going to speak in code. Hey mom, I have been kidnapped. <laughs> What's something super out of character that would tip off her sort of antenna that this was not you? I'll give you one example I use for myself, which is if I got on the phone with one of my friends and I said, hey, Rachel, what time is the big game? They would be like, what the fuck is wrong with her? Like never in my life have I cared or assigned value to a sports game. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So I guess that's the other way you go is you say something that is completely out of character, which yes, this is such a great question and hard question. <laughs> and uh, and honestly, it's like so good to to think creatively this way. Yay. The only other thing I could think about is like, so that the phone's not at my ear. Let's just say yes. they, they could hear me if I was talking, but they can't see me. Okay. Maybe what I do is I pick up the phone. Yes. And then I take my hand and I yeah. start doing Morse code. Okay. Yeah. And I start Morse coding the phone. <laughs> Does someone in your life know Morse code? <laughs> you know, if I'm in such a desperate situation like that, you I would just have to hope it's like, you know, who wants to be a millionaire phone a friend that there's just like... <laughs> Good odds on my side that someone knows it, but no, probably not. Okay, I am. I'm. I'm worried for you if you get taken. I'll be honest. I'm a little concerned about your ability. I mean, who, 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 who's not worried if they're abducted by That's a good mom point. bosses underlings? Apparently not me. Apparently, I'm like, I'll get out of this, no problem. I'm going to be able to make a phone call, tip people off. I got the perfect phrase. You have this all planned out, and you just know you're going to be talking about the big game. I've been scared into preparation by my father probably since age ten, so I've been ready. I've been alerted to stranger danger since the 90s. I'm ready. (laughs) Let's hope that you don't have to test out your ability. Exactly. Okay. So Alex, we were talking a little bit about your hair at the beginning, but is there a fad and it could be fashion, it could be cultural, it could be workout, whatever, that at the time you were really excited about, but now you look back on participating in and you feel like it's maybe a little cringy. I would say a big thing was I went to, um, I went to a prep school growing up. Oh, me too. uh, third grade to 12th grade. It was like a classic prep school that you would picture like, you know, the big sports were like squash and hockey and- Did you have lacrosse? Yeah. Yeah. And the big thing, and I think this was probably a trend that was started by the hockey team. And then it just kind of spread through the grade because the hockey players were like who people wanted to be, was wearing Timberlands. Oh my God. I'm getting flashbacks. Yeah. Wearing oh my Timberlands. God. <laughs> and then, and then there's two ways to wear them, but you never would wear them fully laced up. You'd of wear course it, not. Like, tongue down. And so oh you'd my have God. to spend a day tying the laces around the, like the folded over tongue yes. so that it would stay down on its own. In retrospect, it was like such an incredibly ugly look, Yeah, but I did it. Yes. So I continued that trend when I went to college at Michigan. And I would mm-hmm. say people in fraternity life behaved in a similar way to oh. like, the hockey kids in prep school. That makes sense. And the best thing that ever happened to me is someone stole my Timberlands and I haven't worn a pair since. Wow. Somebody really helped you out. 
Oh yeah. So I relate to this 100% because I'm, I think maybe you and I went to similar prep schools. Where did you go? Place called Pingree in New Jersey. Pingree in Jersey. Okay. So I went to Hotchkiss in Connecticut and people also did this exactly what you described. And it was primarily varsity athletes that did exactly this. My question to you, because this is always what I would think when I would see these men clomping down the hallway of the main building is, was it harder to walk because the shoes were so loose? Oh, absolutely. There, there was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing functional about what you were doing, right? Like, if you wanted to wear boots for the winter, yeah, you get like nice, like snow boots right. that were actually functional and warm and yeah. waterproof, like Sorels or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. For the fall, you wanted like something not as warm as snow boots, but something that like could get muddy and dirty. There mm-hmm. are also good alternatives. Like, I don't know, like hiking boots. I guess you wouldn't wear hiking boots to school, but like there has to be some alternative. There was nothing practical yeah. about the Timberlands. They were not easy to walk in. And it sounded like a, I don't know what a band of horses sounds like, but it, it sounded like horses clonking down the hallways. Absolutely right. Okay, I feel very validated right now because I used to see that and just be like, what are these boys? What is happening over there? They need help. Somebody help oh, totally. them. I feel better. Did people at Michigan, they started doing it because of you or was that already a thing no, when you no, got there? No, definitely did not do it because of me. Okay. Yeah, I, would, I, <laughs> I would say it was, it was like Michigan was... I want to say it was like 17% of the undergrad uh, population was uh, Greek life. Oh, sure. But when you were in Greek life, even though it was only 17%, it felt like everything. And yeah. I think similar to prep school, how there were like these behaviors and norms that if you were like an alien that landed on earth and saw these norms being done, my guess is if you were an alien, you'd probably question a lot of things, not just the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There are a lot of these behaviors in prep schools. Yes. Or you're just like, why is this done? Similar thing with Greek life. Everything from pledging a fraternity right. to the way that pregames for football games that mm-hmm. were like at 4 p.m., pregames would start at 6 a.m. I've heard that. People would be exhausted by 12 o'clock and you wouldn't even be able to make the game. By the way, exhausted is in big quotes, Alex. Sounds like you've been preparing for these early morning <laughs> Peloton workouts for a long time. Like you have a lot of experience waking up early. I mean, by the way, it's just absurd in my mind that you pregame for a game you never go to. A hundred percent. I totally agree. Yeah. I went to NYU. Greek life was, I think, similar. I was not a part of it. It was small on campus. You didn't miss anything. You know what I did instead is I was a tour guide and I was extremely active in the tour guiding program. <laughs> I love that. It was and the I've best. always wondered to myself who cho- who chooses to be a tour guide, not in a judgmental yep, way. I just no. like I've always been interested in like what is it that motivates a tour guide? Is it yeah. is it like they just are looking to make some money as they're mm. a student or they're really interested in the history of the school and that's like an amazing way to like force function your way to learn about the school. It's an amazing way to make money for sure. If that's something that you're trying to find a part-time job on campus, it's really fun. But what we did with the program was also make it really social so that we as a group of tour guides and NYU is a big school. So there were probably like a hundred to 200 tour guides every year. We made it so that we would throw community events for the group and everyone would get close and friendly with each other. Yeah. And so I was senior year, I was one of our community development supervisors. So that was my job. It was like, make the group of tour guides friends with each other. Sounds like an important role. It was so, and I got to do it with my best friend. He was my co-supervisor. So we, oh, we had the best time. Do you keep in touch with any of your fellow uh, tour guides? Oh, of course. Well, that best friend is still among them, Logan. I'm definitely still in touch with a lot of members of the program. And a lot of them go to each other's weddings, which I see on Instagram, like people in the community. That's amazing. I know. Okay, but enough about me. So do you have a 
catchphrase or other words or phrases that you or other people think are specific to you? The nice thing about this is I actually think that if you ask this question of like, what are a few words to describe Alex? And you ask that Mm. to my fiance or my family or people I work with, yes. it would be pretty similar answers, which I feel actually really hmm. good about. Yeah, Because I would say like in a previous life or a previous job, I would say there, there was more of a distinction of who Ooh, Alex was okay. in, in life versus work. But I would say hmm. the answer would be Alex is playful. Mm-hmm. Alex is open-minded or vulnerable. That yeah. would be one of the words. Um, and uh, Alex is a hustler. I would say those Ooh, are Ooh, those are three really good words. Yeah. And and I think the vulnerability and openness mm-hmm. thing, I think that's partly because of just also having a podcast and doing episodes about everything from imposter syndrome yeah. to yeah. anxiety to feeling lost. Like if people have listened to that, they've gotten an essence for that. Mm. But like, I also just think that's my force function of when I'm trying to think through things in life or go through challenges. Yeah. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. But <laughs> I, over, I overshare it as a way to workshop it. Sure. Um, Are you an external processor, someone who processes things externally? 100%. I actually have found it like in the journey of building a business, and I won't talk about a business after this. Like, <laughs> I've, I've found it difficult to think through like big decisions yeah. and strategies without like if I didn't always have someone mm. to talk through it out loud with, right? So there are a lot of people who they think through the whole strategy and they get to like 98% yes. of the way there. And then the last 2% someone helps with. I need someone way earlier in the process okay. to talk through things with. Do you free write? No, like the only thing I write are like I write my three episodes for my podcast sure. every week. Yeah. But no, I I wish I did more. I would say like, writing without expectation. The reason I ask is that I also am an external processor and something that I think I discovered about myself recently is that because I write so much now, I write about three pages almost every morning, three freehand notebook pages. It's from a book called The Artist's Way, which suggests that you do this exercise in the morning. It helps with a lot of stuff. But one of the things it helps you with is like brain drain, like first thing in the morning, just get it all out there, right? Like throw it down on the page. But what I've realized you can also use it for is like processing where you're bouncing ideas off of another person, but the other person is you. And because you're writing and it's so slow, your brain can't run a million miles a minute, or at least mine can. And so I'm confronted with like the words and the thoughts in a way that's much slower. And it helps me think through them even though I'm the one writing them. I love that. And I totally agree, even from my experience of, I would say not like free writing three pages. That's yeah. definitely intense and I would have to build up yeah, to that. Yeah, I have that. to wear a wrist brace but, now. <laughs> Full on, it's so embarrassing. I, say, I don't know if you're lying it's, or not. I'm but. not lying at all. I will find the wrist brace. Literally, it is so mortifying. I have to bring it to coffee shops. People all the time, if I FaceTime them or something, they'll be like, oh no, what happened to your wrist? And I have to be like... I uh, I wrote yeah. I write too much you, and they're you like will. that's you remind me of like someone in their mid seventies yep. with tendonitis uh-huh. playing tennis. It's not officially carpal tunnel yet because I have not asked a doctor, but I'm just letting everyone know on the record it's not officially any Do you problem. Even yet. have a medical issue if you don't talk to a doctor. About <laughs> that's it? right. <laughs> the internet says it's probably fine. <laughs> When I do write things down, like even I was writing down last night, every experience in life, how do I turn it into like a learning opportunity? Because I mm. like I know that about myself. Like I love just always feeling like I'm learning. And then I love teaching the yeah. things that I learn in a way that is approachable. And even last night, writing down something as simple as like, what are the things that I can learn from writing a podcast episode that mm. has nothing to do with the podcast, but yeah. like are things I can learn? Mm-hmm. 
it brought up thoughts and ideas that I had never really processed to myself yes. until I wrote it down. Yep. And to me, the biggest blocker to make this happen is honestly the discipline of giving myself the time to write every day. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Do I do it every single day? No. I strive to because I found that it's so helpful to me, but it can be anything. You know, some people meditate every day. Some people go on their run and that's when they think. For me, it, it's the writing. I totally agree with you. And I think writing for I didn't even know that external processing was mm -hmm. the way to describe myself, yeah. but I think it's super helpful. That's great. Report back if you try it, I but will. it won't be a failure if you don't. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's... I wrote down the artist way also. Which <laughs> oh, I'm yes, after this. yes, yes, yes. I actually would be really curious to hear your thoughts on that. The way it's described as a workbook for unlocking creativity, but it is not intended only for people who are pursuing professional creative careers. It's actually right. intended for like anyone at all that just wants more creativity in their life, which I think is such a beautiful concept to bring even to professional work. To your point on being playful, being playful and being creative, the more and more they can be applied to what are considered, in my opinion, like more corporate professional worlds, I think the better off we'll all be. Totally. And to be honest, like that's when I feel most alive is when yeah. like my brain feels like it's racing with ideas. And yes. those ideas yes, could yes, be... Yes about personal life or it can be about professional life. Like I'm constantly self-auditing throughout a day to be like, where could this experience be a little bit better? That maybe mm. there's an opportunity to like build something or do something differently, et cetera. Yeah. So is that ever exhausting though? What you just described sounds like when I try to find like a sushi restaurant in a new city where I'm like, I have to find the best one. I have to yeah, find yeah. it, but where's the best one? Let me check seven websites to make sure I'm finding the best sushi place in the city. And it's tiring. I don't find the activity of brainstorming tiring. What I find kind of challenging or tiring is like yeah. if I think of an idea, whether it would be a hobby or whether mm -hmm. it would be a business or whether it be a nonprofit, I think where it actually gets exhausting or stressful is like, I have so many ideas now and is the idea good enough? And, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and if you ask yourself, is the idea good enough too much? You, yeah. you won't ever like have forward motion. You'll just 100%. be sitting on this massive pile of ideas. So oh, yeah. that's where I actually find it most exhausting. Okay, I totally relate to that. Wow, we should probably talk about this in life. Okay, tell me this. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something completely inconsequential that you would just like really go to bat for? At first, I thought you were literally were going to ask me to like name a hill in the <laughs> US to topographically. That I would die oh my on. God, that's hysterical. Do you have one? <laughs> Do you know which tiny hill you'd want to die on? Yeah, I, I would say like Mountain Creek or Camelback, which wouldn't, I like they're considered <laughs> ski mountains, but I would consider them more a hill. And because I love okay. skiing, if I had to die on a hill and not a mountain, that would be a hill yeah. I would die on. Wow, that's really the most beautiful interpretation. In my 50 plus episodes of this podcast, no one has ever interpreted like that. And it makes me so happy. <sighs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, to, to, I guess the actual question, what is a hill that I would die on? This is like kind of an out there one, but I would say like a hill that I would die on is that I actually would argue pretty much everyone you talk to, even if you disagree with them, their thoughts mm -hmm. and their behaviors are rational given their perspective. Ooh. What I mean by that is like every day I find people that I don't necessarily agree with their perspective. Sure. I don't necessarily have the same values in the decisions I make. But when I understand someone's mm. values and incentives, yeah. I would actually argue very rarely in life, like almost never, yeah. I think someone made an irrational is behaving irrationally given their incentives, totally. and given their values. You know, we talk a lot about in life, like how people are acting irrationally. Mm. And I don't actually think that irrational behavior is really a thing. You know, 
Every hmm. once in a while, sure, someone does something that's really out of character. But I would just say the potion of emotions. <laughs> the emotion potion, yeah. <laughs> the, the emotion potion. <laughs> incentives and values mm -hmm. generally make it make a lot of sense whatever someone is doing. I believe way less in irrationality than I would argue most people do. That's very interesting. Here are my thoughts on that. I personally have made decisions that I would consider irrational. <laughs> Was it irrational at the time of making the decision? Yes, absolutely, Alex. For example, I travel a lot and I am garbage at packing and I hate packing. And so I will put packing off until the last possible minute and it messes up my life on a regular basis. And otherwise, I consider myself a pretty rational person. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I would say people would argue that, so that's procrastination. Yes. And procrastination serves a rational purpose in our lives. I see. I, so you're saying there's like an explanation for it. There's a very clear explanation that actually made it very rational why you procrastinated, which is that you were avoiding pain or you're yes. doing something that was giving you short-term pleasure at the time. Packing is painful. Because packing is painful, you very rationally did it at the last moment possible to still achieve it. Okay. I like this hill a lot. I really do. I think that that's a really good perspective. I'll do a, a babier hill. Uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream is the worst. Really? What? Horrible. Wow. It's mixing chocolate <laughs> and toothpaste and enjoying it as a meal. Now I really have so many questions. Is okay, that so a, do is you- that a small one or that's is a perfect a massive hill. one? <laughs> that's a perfect hill. This is a, wow. Okay, to die atop a hill of mint chocolate chip ice cream, what a way to go. So let me ask you this. Do you like the flavor of mint on its own? Yes, depends on what in what form, but yeah. Do you like all forms of mint, i.e. peppermint, spearmint, winter mint, et cetera? Yes, yes, okay. yes. So mint across the board, you're cool. What about like mint, the, the herb, like the plant? Yep, I, I love mint. And then you like chocolate, yes? Yep. Okay, so it's the combination. It's 100% <gasps> the combination. Yeah, it's it's not like, um, you know, like I feel like a very common thing that people don't like are uh, tomatoes. People will not like whole tomatoes, but they'll like, you know, like salsa or ketchup. Oh, sure. And okay. It's, it's it's the consistency of the tomato and the taste yeah. on its own that people don't like. That makes sense. That's not the thing for me. It is oh. the mix of the two. It is okay. very much one plus one does not equal three when it comes to mint and chocolate. Wow. Okay. That <laughs> one is... plus one equals zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So then what's your go-to flavor? If not mint chocolate chip. I mean, number one for my whole life has been coffee. Really? Are you a big coffee drinker? I love coffee. Like mm -hmm. I love drinking coffee. Yes. I love same. coffee, ice cream. And then the most recent, which has gotten mm. the two slot, but it's only gotten the two slot in the last year or two is pistachio. Okay. I was very... <gasps> Plot twist. I feel like can be a, a relatively controversial one. That and is. for the longest time, I didn't want to try it because I was afraid that it would taste like pistachios. And I was like, right. I don't want like the taste of a nut. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't even really taste like pistachios. No, I totally agree. The ice cream flavors you've named were in my child brain and now even still in my adult brain, what I labeled as adult ice cream flavors. If you order coffee ice cream, that's an adult flavor. If you you order pistachio. That's an adult flavor. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Is coffee something that forever and always you've ordered? And maybe it was because like I wanted to like, be like my parents a little kid and that was like, a validating way for me to do it. Yes. But like, yeah, I have always liked coffee ice cream in the same way that I've always liked the taste of beer. Like I <gasps> use- Really? I used to drink O'Doul's non-alcoholic beer as like an No way. Yeah. That's so funny. Were your parents ever like, huh? What do we, what, uh, keep an eye on that. <laughs> what did we get ourselves in for? Right. <laughs> and I have no idea why that was. Maybe it was like That's me funny. trying to be cool or whatever. But yeah, I, I vividly remember like being in a hot tub, sipping an O'Doul's as like a child. <laughs> oh my 
my God. Well, it sounds like you were really prepared for your 6 a.m. weekend activities in Michigan. <laughs> exactly. There we go. That's an incredible hill. I really love it. Mint chocolate chip is one of my all-time faves. I respect the combo issue. Yeah, yeah you, you respect at least the argument for it. Like you could see why it's possible. I could perhaps see why it's rational. <laughs> ooh, ooh, wow, ooh, snaps. Beautiful. God. Oh, she's a professional. Okay, so <laughs> if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what do you think you'd be doing? There's three things that come to mind. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, the first the first is be a psychologist. Really? Yeah. I'm just fascinated. People we're we're just such fascinating creatures. It's like so true. I, you know, I've been the one the the whole my whole life where I love nothing more than like sitting in a public space and watching every human interaction, mm. creating my own story in my head around what's happening. Yes. And just also noticing that like, while we're w- weird and interesting and unique, pretty much every human interaction we see, some flavor of that we've seen before. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I would be a psychologist because I find human beings fascinating. I've mm-hmm. also found we know so little about the brain, yet it is so wildly powerful and it right. dictates our whole experience. Yes. So that's why I would say psychology or psychologist. The second would be a chef. Really? Yeah. Wow. I love food. I love yes. eating it. Yes, yes. I've always said I would be like the worst Top Chef judge because I'm really? the worst critic. I just oh, like really? everything I eat. Yeah. <laughs> that makes you a great person to go to dinner with, though. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not picky at all. And I also just think the amazing thing about being a chef is you cook something great and like the best, most validating thing is like seeing you've like made someone's night by oh, doing it, right? I totally agree. Looking out of the kitchen and watching people enjoy their meal. And I would say the second is like, it's a super creative job. Like Super creative. The best chefs are incredibly creative. Now, why am I not doing it? Well, I'd say yeah. the, the lifestyle in my mind is pretty mm-hmm. tough. I agree. Dedicating basically your weekend nights into perpetuity mm-hmm. seems like really difficult. And I would say the third is being a photographer. I love oh, photography. Wow. You know, my my senior year in high school, a gift from my grandparents was a DSLR. I took AP photo in, in high school. Like, I really love it. AP photo? You had AP Boom. photo? Boom. That's when I peaked. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I peaked. What was the difference Um, between regular photo and advanced (laughs) placement photo? (laughs) I I have no idea. I think it really Mm. was just to make people like Alex feel good about themselves. I don't want to say that that's true, but I won't. (laughs) I will neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) I love photography. You know, I love art. Like I, 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 my TikTok feed, if you were to look at my TikTok Mm. feed, it's a ton of artists and singers. Uh, Oh, cool. I respect creative talent so much and I I never was like a great drawer. And so Mm. I basically said to myself, how can I engage in art oh, sure. in a way yep. that I feel like an, I can actually like develop talent and photography to me mm. was the thing. Um, and I also think if I was a professional photographer, yeah. you know, I could I could travel to so many cool places. Like yes. I was reading a few months ago about how one of the best baseball pitchers of all time, Randy Johnson, mm-hmm. big left-handed pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, he retired and he just became a sports photographer. So now he like lines up at professional sports games with all the photographers. He's like a massive man and he's just shooting sports photo because that's just what he loves doing. Yes. I, I think that's so cool. That is so cool. And I also am a big fan of people who switch careers or follow passions at any point in their lives. And I guess maybe I'm biased because it's what I did, but I am so inspired by those stories. No, I totally agree. And to be honest, like, I think the reason I respect it is because I can see it's so scary, yet Mm. people do it irrespective of being scary. Like, Mm -hmm. I've even thought to myself, like, what would it look like just like 
pick up and become a psychologist. I was looking yesterday, like, how long does it take to become a psychologist? And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. shit. What's the answer? If you literally want to become like a PhD, you know, you have two to three years of a master's program and then up to eight years of a doctorate program. No, no. And it's, I'm really interested in this, but I'm not 12 years interested in this. Well, you could be a therapist. You could get accredited to become a therapist. My mom went back to school when I was 11 to become a therapist and got her master's degree. How long did she spend on that? I mean, she already had an undergraduate degree in social work, and I don't remember okay. it being much longer than two years, I don't think, to get the master's. And then there are some certifications. Maybe that's the option. But like, to me, yeah, it, it's such a scary thing to think about, right? Because mm -hmm. you build up so much, let's call it like momentum and yeah. like social credibility in a specific thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if my thing was like media guy and entrepreneurship, yep. it, it's like you build up all of this, this social currency that you can yeah. leverage. And so yeah. it's like, if you totally switch things, you basically rid yourself of the ability to leverage social currency, but like oh, you're doing yeah. something you're super passionate about. And so I think it sounds so amazing. And I have so much respect for people that do it because it's really scary. I have, I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I agree. I agree. I have, I have done so. <laughs> oh, it's hard to say though. People say all the time about how scary it is, but the truth is that it felt as though there were no other possible path forward. I love it. I had to do it. So I love that. And, you know, photography, all of the things you mentioned, it sounds like there are ways you could incorporate them into your life now without doing them professionally, which is really cool. And I think totally. it's something that gets downplayed right now, especially is that you can do things and be bad at them. And that's fine. Yeah. You could just be an okay photographer and that is fine. And I think that's the thing, you know, what you're taught to think about is like, and entrepreneurs only do the things that are like the highest leverage things in your life. Like only the things you're spectacular at. And by the way, you know where else you're taught that? Prep school. Literally oh, totally. at prep school. Why be in the club if you're not going to be president is the vibe. I, I was even thinking about this the other day. Like I've been trying to teach myself Python literally oh. just for just for the sheer purpose of learning how to code. No yeah, other it's reason. Fun. Yeah, it's fun. And it's like fun to even solve the simplest problem of like totally. something that that allows me to like input my name and like it outputs it somewhere. I've done the same thing. I totally get you. The societally trained brain is like, why are you doing this? Right? If you mm -hmm. want to if if you want to build something that involves code, just go to Upwork and just hire someone. Yep. And I think to just realize like that's not the point. And also right? to, like we're taught like if you're only gonna do something, do it 110%. Yeah. So then say hypothetically, I'm like, I just wanna like study the brain and I wanna study psychology. Yeah. And I decide today for like two or three hours, I'm just gonna read about that. Mm. There's this whole internal conflict of like, well, now I'm diluting myself because these are two or three hours that I could be like Ugh. working on my podcast or doing something else God. professionally. I wish I could say I don't relate to this at all, but I relate to it so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's how do you deal with the natural tension of like dedicating yourself and being focused, but also having mm. a lot of interests. And if you know the answer, let me know. When I figure it out, I will certainly let you know. And if you figure it out Thank before you. me, if you could maybe I just let you know. yes. send me a quick text and give me an update on that. I think that that would be great so. for us both. <laughs> 100%. Well, let me ask you this. We sort of scripted out a great movie earlier in terms of how you're getting away from kidnappers, but I want to ask you a yep. slightly different version of that question, which is if we were going to make a movie about your life, number one, who would play you in that movie? And number two, should it be a biopic or should we hone in on a particular chapter of your life that would make a great film? So who would play me? Yeah. Is there anyone that comes to mind immediately? Yeah, I would say Mark Wahlberg. 
I oh, think, perfect. Like, we're relatively similar in like stature and look. And Great. I've loved Mark Wahlberg ever since seeing uh, the Italian job when I was younger. Okay. <laughs> Let's get Mark Wahlberg in here. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg, 100%. Perfect. Uh, but I see he's taking up golf now. So now he could also like play the golf chapter oh, in my movie. We'll have a golf chapter. What's the chapter? <laughs> Well, now, now, now it's been built up with so much energy that has to be like an exciting golf chapter more like I play golf in my life. And if we were to do a biopic as, as they say that golf would have to be a part of it, but actually Mm. it's a really good question about like, would I do a biopic? Is it biopic or biopic? Is it biopic? It is biopic, but you are definitely not the first to ask that question. It looks like myopic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, by the way, I've just decided that it's biopic. So Someone out there, feel free to correct me, but I'm pretty sure that I have heard the term biopic and also I've been saying it for over a year at this point. So No, it is. I just looked Oof. it up. Oh, and thank God. I, I just <laughs> played it out loud on my computer. Biopic. 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 <laughs> Perfect. Okay, thank God. That would have been bad. Would it be a biopic or focus on a specific moment? Well, I guess the question is, is like, what is the goal of the movie? Is the goal of the movie... It's to make like, a good movie. Yeah, it's to make a good movie. No, I would focus on one of two moments. And I don't know okay. which moment I would focus on. And I think it would both make a good movie, but also I think it would show the greatest concentration of of like personal discovery and like growth. Hmm. So I would either cover from the time I started at college yep. to today. Oh, okay. And I would call this this chapter adulthood. Okay. Figuring out what it actually means to be an adult. Okay. And you know, what would be included in this chapter would be everything from doing everything in my life because it's what my role models did. So like my, you know, my family working in finance, me thinking I had to be Mm. in finance to shifting to entrepreneurship for reasons related to like feeling excitement around an idea Uh, losing a loved one and feeling like I had to take care of Mm. my family Mm -hmm. to the fear of, oh, if I go down the same path as my family now, I'm going to die early like Mm. my loved one did Mm. to finding success in this thing that was a very uh, non-linear, non-expected path. Wow. That would be like potentially number one. Number two would be, you know, there's a book. I literally just ordered it yesterday. I think I'm going to get it today called The Second Mountain. Okay. And The Second Mountain is basically what is your second act, right? So like after finding some peak in some aspect of life, like sure. what's next? And I would call that like rediscovery or or discovery. Yeah. I may not even be rediscovering myself. I may just be discovering what I haven't yeah. discovered yet. But I would say it would be like, you know, post hitting some peak in life. Who is Alex? What is his identity? What fills him up? Discovering Mm. what does it look like to be internally driven versus externally driven? Mm -hmm. And making that distinction because I think at times it can be hard. So I would say it would be one of those two periods of time would be the the focus of the movie. Okay. Wow. Either of those sound great. There are so many themes that Mark Wahlberg can really dig into there. Identity (laughs) is a huge one. Adulthood (laughs) is a huge one. I love the idea of the second act. There's a lot there. I think this is going to be a great movie. Yeah. Need to just find a a producer, need to find a director, and then that's it. Producer, director, and Mark. Yeah. And I think that's all it takes to have a movie. So I'm kind of feeling like we've made a lot of progress, frankly. (laughs) I should be paying you for this. Obviously, I'm an EP on the film. Alex, come on. You think I'm not getting points on the back end? Give me a little more credit. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. 
This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Modern Treasury, a company building payments infrastructure to power $750 trillion in bank transfers every year. Oh, and they're hiring. I took a little peek on Glassdoor where, not to brag on their behalf, but Modern Treasury is currently rocking five stars and a 100% on would recommend to a friend. Here are four quotes from reviews that would personally make me excited to check out their careers page, all written by current employees within the last 12 months. One, low bureaucracy, spend time shipping features instead of in meetings. Two, leadership leads by example and people are encouraged to take the time off that they need. Three, team of curious individuals who love to learn new things, experiment, and get better every day. Four, a chance to get in on the ground floor of something huge. So there you have it, getting stuff done instead of talking about it, leaders that walk the talk, and great teammates to work alongside. Plus, you know what they say about rocket ships, right? See if Modern Treasury might be the right rocket ship for you at moderntreasury.com careers. And we're back with Alex Lieberman, the co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew and host of the Founders Journal podcast. Alex Lieberman, we've arrived at a very exciting moment of this episode of Non-Technical. We've arrived at the lightning round. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? Used to do it with milk. Been doing uh, the Americano recently and really liking it. Wow. Wow. Talk about adulthood. Frankly. Honestly, my co-founder would be so proud of me because really? he, he always said it was sacrilegious to have milk and coffee. Really? Yeah. And Damn, now, that's a hot take. I know, it's a very <laughs> hot take. I drink it black, so I understand. iOS or Android? iOS. Forever and always. What is an Android? I know, I swear to God. I Literally, the fact that I have people with green bubbles in my life is a testament to how much I love them. It really is. It's frankly embarrassing. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. Yeah, iOS. Do you have a favorite board game? Settlers. Yeah, good one. Love that. Love it. Great game. Crowd pleaser. Got into it late. I only started in the last three or four years. Mm. It's fun to play with friends. It's cool, like, thinking about resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Do you have a pump-up song? Yes. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) Remember the name. Oh! (laughs) Fort Minor. Nice! Wow, when did that start becoming your pump-up song? Forever. Yeah, that's an old song. Literally since, like, high school soccer. Wow! The honest answer is it depends on what I'm pumping up for. Is there a different pump-up song for a different occasion? This is where it's going to get really embarrassing. I'm so ready. And awesome. For sports, it was Remember the Name or some variety of Eminem songs. Okay. For taking tests in college. Yes. It was inspirational videos. Really? So it was everything like Soldier Homecomings to Susan Boyle's audition. Oh my God. Wow. Alex. Okay. What about today? What do you use today? I mean, I haven't had to like really like pump myself up like recently for like a moment. But if I had to, I would still go back to the Susan Boyle video. I think it's incredible. That's amazing. On repeat. I love that. You watch her come out. Everyone's judging her. Simon Cowell is like giving her the stink eye. Mm -hmm. Two fans in the crowd are like, Mm -hmm. who is this Who is this? And then she just belts it out and loses their shit. One of the original iconic videos of our time. Alex, final question for you. What would you title your memoir? Connection. Ooh, yes. A one word title. We love to see it right off the top of the head. It just feels right. (laughs) Alex Lieberman, thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a treat. I'm really glad that we got to have this chat. Where can people find more about you online? You can find me on the socials, specifically mm. Twitter at Business Barista. Um, I love and that. <laughs> you can check out my podcast, Founders Journal. It's all about growing in your career three days a week, 15 minutes or less. Yes, fantastic. 
Highly recommend both. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. One more time, Alex. This was so fun and I'm excited for our next conversation. I think it's going to be pretty soon. I loved it. And next time, ask people what physical hill they'll die on. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I got a new question out of it. Oh boy. Bye, Alex. See you later.